Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to share simple strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to share the reasons why I think this year, or at least over the next three to uh, 18 months, that the government will tighten up lending rules uh, for investors and that there might be a window of opportunity between now and if that occurs uh, for investors to jump in the market, which is not to say that I want to create some fear and um, urgency in respect to that, but more just looking at uh, prudentially what will the government do to uh, prevent a, a property price bubble because the reality is that virtually everyone is predicting that prices will surge higher this year and at the moment the newspapers are full of stories of property selling for amounts significantly more than their reserve. Um, part of that might be that the indication of the reserve was set relatively low to begin with to create demand for that property um, but also part of it could be just low stock levels um, and a little bit of FOMO uh, kicking in uh, and people wanting to get into the market you know before prices rise for example but at the end of the day um, the market might get to a point where the growth rates become unsustainable and the, both the government and the RBA don't want that they don't want a price bubble, an asset price bubble, and they will want to take steps to avoid that. So if we have a look at the predictions, um, and really I follow Bill Evans, which is the chief economist from Westpac, uh, the closest, because he's been right more than he's been wrong, or at least right more than his peers uh, over the last uh, 20 years. So Bill's predicting that prices nationally will rise 20% over the next two years, which is pretty significant uh, um, increase, really. And uh, the, the things that Bill cited that are going to sort of drive that uh, price growth is really uh, the better-than-expected uh, economic recovery. Obviously, the vaccine rollout, although slow in Australia, will uh, eventually gather pace. Uh, and, of course, low historic interest rates will uh, add to that. Uh, at the moment, if you have a look at sort of lending indicators uh, that are released by the Australian Bureau of Statistics, it suggests that really homeowners are, at the moment are dominating the property market, or at least they're dominating you know new home loans uh, rather than investors. But at some point, investors will come back into the market uh, and probably to a significant proportion, and that will uh, further fuel price rises. The other thing that will uh, that may further stimulate the market is the scrapping of the responsible lending rules. Uh, as I record this podcast, it's currently before uh, the Houses of Parliament uh, being debated. Uh, but if that gets passed into legislation, it'll be interesting to see what practical impact that will have on people's borrowing capacities. Uh, the key takeaway from that uh, that bill or that uh, bunch of legislation. Uh, is that it's uh, the government seeking to sort of eliminate the kind of one-size-fits-all approach, allow lenders to um, some discretion, uh, and this is going to have particular impact in regards to living expenses. So instead of lenders having to trawl over your bank statements and determine what you're currently spending money on, um, maybe they can use a, a, a benchmark amount. Uh, that may not include discretionary expenditure. And uh, to my mind, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think we need to, we can't be blind to what people are currently spending. 
um, but you can uh, take that into account in your overall credit assessment. So if the asset position is very weak, uh, clearly that's an indication that people are spending on everything they're earning or, or maybe more. Uh, but when it comes to calculating affordability, um, whether we go out to dinner every night this week or, or not um, really doesn't inform me as to my ability to take on a di an additional loan. Uh, most people are going to opt to pay the mortgage before they go out to dinner. And in fact, if I'm going out to dinner every night, um, perhaps that's the best indication that I have uh, additional surplus cash flow. Anyway, it, notwithstanding that, really interesting to see uh, what impact that will have. No doubt it will um, have a greater impact in blue chip markets uh, because they're the borrowers that have tend to have higher incomes uh, and from a practical spending perspective tend to spend more. So if we just assume a lower benchmark expense for those borrowers, uh, th those higher income earners are the ones that are going to benefit the most, most from this legislation uh, and they're the ones that are uh, typically buying in those blue chip areas. Uh, so really what we might see is almost a two-tier market to some degree, outlying areas where you know, people's borrowing capacities remain relatively tight uh, and sort of uh, inner city blue, blue chip areas where um, borrowing capacity is improved. Um, normally what happens when we get a property market that's uh, you know, a, a little bit too bullish and prices are moving uh, too fast Normally what governments do is use interest rates to cool markets. Um, obviously interest rates take more money out of people's pockets, uh, less to spend, uh, and they start to um, sort of cool the jets a little bit. Uh, there's two reasons I don't think the Australian government and the RBA, to more correctly, will want to increase interest rates to cool the property market. The first one is that um, the RBA has been very clear that the data suggests that the bottom 40% of income earners have been the most severely impacted by COVID. And in fact, the top 40% of income earners haven't been impacted at all. So if we go and increase interest rates for people that are driving Ubers, working in hospitality, working in tourism, those sorts of sectors that are typically earning, I mean, statistically, they're earning a lower than average income. Uh, if we go and increase interest rates, it's going to hurt the people that can least afford it. Uh, and the people, the top income earners, uh, whose income is higher today than it was pre-COVID, uh, will largely be unaffected. Um, so as a blunt instrument, uh, it's going to cause more harm than good uh, increasing interest rates. The second reason is that it's going to be um, a bit of a political hot potato uh, rises in interest rates. And the reason for that is that the federal government's debt is uh, tipped to reach $1 trillion. So a 1% increase in interest rates is going to increase the interest cost of the government by about $10 billion a year. Uh, and that's obviously not going to be good for the budget. Uh, and we all know that politicians are, are driven what, uh, by what's popular and what's going to be good news and easy to sell to their constituents. Uh, so politically, uh, not a good move to uh, increase interest rates as government debt is increasing as well. Uh, so what can the RBA then do, or the government more particularly, do to cool the, the property market? Well, essentially, they can change prudential lending standards. Um, and they can do that in a few different ways, perhaps three different ways. And they could do a combination of these three things or, or perhaps one of them. 
The first one is that they could seek to increase interest rates for investors. Now, investors are already paying between 0.4 and 0.8 of a percent higher interest rates than own occupiers. And of course, the government can't necessarily go and direct the banks to increase interest rates. Um, but what they could do, for example, is require them to hold more capital for investor loans than they do for own occupier loans. What that would do is push up the cost to fund those loans. And of course, we all know what the banks will do. They'll pass that higher cost on to borrowers, which is exactly what the government will want them to do in the first place. So they could um, manipulate the market so that investment interest rates for investment loans rise uh, and that could sort of cool uh, investors. The second thing they could do is reduce loan-to-value ratios, LVRs, uh, and which is exactly what the um, Reserve Bank of New Zealand did last month. Uh, now most of the major banks in New Zealand, they will lend up to 60% of an investment property's value, um, therefore retarding people's ability to access equity and sort of build their property portfolio and so forth, or at least the people with plenty of equity are probably unaffected, but that's a, a smaller slither of the market. Um, at the moment in Australia, we can borrow up to 90% of a, 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 a property's value for investment purposes. Um, so there's a big gap between Australia and New Zealand, and it'll be interesting to see what impact that'll have in the New Zealand property market, which is pretty hot at the moment. And the third strategy could be to increase the benchmark interest rate for investors. So the benchmark interest rate is the interest rate that um, lenders use to measure your capacity to be able to repay debt. Um, so whilst you might be borrowing at 2.5%, they will test it at 6% maybe on a P&I basis. Um, well, and APRA, which is the government, could instruct the banks to use a higher benchmark interest rate for investor loans than they do for own-occupier loans um, and therefore uh, in, essentially reduce a, a borrower's uh, borrowing capacity. Um, when will this happen? Uh, well, I guess it's anyone's guess because it's just a prediction on my front. But I think if the property market starts to get a bit out of control, um, potentially these lending changes could be pushed through any within, say, a six or 18 month period. Um, I think I don't think it's probably going to happen in the next six months. Um, but it's really just if the property market gets out of control. Of course, if it doesn't uh, get out of control, then uh, clearly there won't be any need to change these lending standards. So what can you do as an investor um, to prepare yourself? Well, um, lock in as much equity as you can over the next six months. Uh, that's what I would be doing. Um, depending on the type of property and location, uh, I'd probably be inclined to wait a few months before doing that. Uh, one or two months just to let a few more comparable sales uh, occur and probably going to result in a higher bank valuation. And then probably around April, May, I'd get my mortgage broker to revalue my properties uh, and lock in my borrowing access to uh, 80% of those new valuations. Um, of course, the exact timing of when you do that really depends on your personal circumstances, but just generally that's kind of what I would be thinking um, that's a good thing to do in any case, even if we didn't think lending rules would change in the future. Um, but, but it's always good to sort of lock in your access to equity, even if you have no plans uh, to use those monies, because you never know what's around the corner and what opportunities could arise. Um, just to finish, I, I want to talk about you know being driven by FOMO and, and worried about property price increases and so forth. I just want to address that because... You know, some people uh, feel a tremendous sense of urgency to get into the market. 
to buy an investment property, upgrade the home before prices rise. And I probably kind of have three um, responses to why you should resist the temptation to feel that immense sense of urgency. And I'm not suggesting you should sit, sit and procrastinate and do nothing. By all, by all accounts, if you're ready to invest or ready to upgrade, you should do that. Um, but there's three things to consider. Firstly, and I've got a link in the show notes, of course, my financial analysis proves that the price you pay for a property is largely irrelevant. So I did analysis a couple of years ago where I looked at buying uh, 10% above intrinsic value and 10% below intrinsic value. And by a factor of 10, uh, quality, so the type of property you buy, is far more important than the price you pay. Uh, Secondly, property is a long-term investment, right? You plan to hold a property, or should at least, for a a few decades. So therefore, there's no need to get anxious about a few months. You know, in the long run, it's really going to be immaterial. And finally, three, discretionary vendors will definitely be encouraged by recent results in in the property market. As such, we should expect supply to increase. You know, more people will put their properties on the market. And this is, this is going to probably have a cooling effect on um, price rises. It might not offset them completely, um, but what it will is dampen the market. So let's not um, uh, get seduced into thinking that prices can only move in one direction. Um, there's, uh, there is some probability that they will, um, will not grow as fast as everyone is expecting at the moment. And in fact, sometimes... Uh, the, the indication that if everyone's thinking the same thing, that that probably should be those those times are, are when you should probably uh, you know raise alarm bells and so forth. As a summary, I guess the one key takeaway. I mean, if my prediction uh, ends up being correct and lending rules in fact aren't changed, uh, the one thing that we can probably take away from this analysis is that interest rates are likely to remain low for longer. Um, that really the government and the RBA don't really um, have the room to increase interest rates. And, and that in you know, of itself is, is probably an investment opportunity for most people. Uh, so that's it for me for this week. Please, if you enjoy the Investopoly podcast, please share it with any friends, family or colleagues that you think would get some enjoyment from it. And please leave a rating for wherever you listen to your uh, podcast. It certainly does help uh, the ranking and get more people listening. Uh, Until next week, bye for now.